Money, money, money. More money, more problems? This is where we talk about everything you need and want to know about finances, goals, relationships, and how they all tie together. You are now listening to the Two Cents Money Podcast. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome to the Two Cents Money Podcast, where I, your host, Stephanie Newell, uh, like to give my two cents on your two cents. So what do we have cooking today? Well, you know, before I kind of get into that, uh, before I let you guys know what our great notorious topic is going to be, um, you know, I want to wish everybody an upcoming happy Valentine's Day. Uh, you know, it's this time of year where we're all thinking about, you know, our tax refunds, our tax returns, everything like that, all the fun stuff. Uh, just make sure that, you know, the earlier you get your tax return in and submitted, if you are accept, uh, expecting, sorry, a tax refund, then the sooner the better, especially because we have millions of Americans still waiting on um, their previous year's tax refunds. So there is a huge backlog, but again, the sooner the better, especially if you are expecting a refund. Something to also keep in mind though, is refunds are actually expected to not be as big as, as previous years, especially because of the uh, child tax credits that were given out ahead of time. And then, um, some things with uh like the earned income tax credit and and you know they're requesting you to actually type in um exactly how much you got from the stimulus payments last year so just keep that in mind uh make sure you have all your documentation that you need to go ahead and file uh looks like they are going to uh, bring in a whole crew of staff members to try and expedite this process of you know, basically reviewing and processing these returns because they realize that this backlog is just insane. Uh, we've never seen it like this before. So just kind of wanted to plug that in there because I know this time of year always brings uh, this topic up because, it, you know, the tax season literally just opened up, what, maybe two weeks ago. So I'll just keep that in mind. So now you may be wondering, what in the world is she going to talk about today? So I'm sure you guys have now learned that, you know, now we're in our second season um, and I've really enjoyed highlighting certain celebrities and um, just well-known people that have really had some financial issues. And I just want to point this out that it's, I don't like to talk about them for the simple fact of talking bad about anybody or to shed light on anything negative. The thing is with, when it comes to two cents and this podcast, it's all about educating. It's all about just shedding the light on different topics that you may actually not be hearing about anywhere else. So we can all learn from other people's uh, mistakes, other people's, uh, you know, just life history in general, and try not to let history repeat itself when it comes to our own money. So today I'm going to actually take you through the journey of Mr. MC Hammer himself and 
I think this one's going to be pretty interesting because we have a music artist who was very, very popular and he had a lot of financial woes that, that really took him from, you know, one level to another in a matter of a few short years. So come on, join, join on in the conversation, get your cup of coffee, get your iced coffee going, uh, plug the headphones in and join me. All right. So let's get started. So NC Hammer, Stanley Kirk Burrell, born March 30th, 1962 in good old Oakland, California. Man, a lot of good people came out of Oakland. But anyways, <laughs> makes me think of a uh, Super Bowl coming up this weekend. Got a lot of good artists. You know, I know a lot of people are excited about that. But anyways, so MC Hammer, he entered the uh, music industry in the late 80s with his notorious hit, You Can't Touch This. And his career really peaked around 1991, where um, actually Forbes even quoted this saying that he was actually bringing in about 30 to $33 million a year. And I sit there and think, I'm like, wow, $30 million a year. I mean, you have some sports athletes who are literally making that over, you know, a contract period. So MC Hammer was actually at one point bringing that much money in one year. So it goes to show you he made a lot of money. So, you know, kind of putting all of that together, it's actually said that he ended up being worth about 70 million or so uh, when it came time to, uh, you know, kind of reviewing everything, looking at his most popular years and kind of taking a tally around the early 90s. That's kind of where his net worth was at at the time. So let's talk about his shopping spree. So, you know, yeah, okay. You know, you're worth $70 million, You're looking to buy all this great stuff, right? So MC Hammer had actually more than 17 luxury cars. He had a private jet. Two helicopters. Not just one, but two. And he had 21 racehorses. And I <laughs> I kind of find it interesting because I'm not like really familiar with racehorses at all. Uh, from some shows that I've watched over the years, you know, I've always seen how some of them, especially the, the racehorses that tend to win a lot, they can be worth so much money. I mean, people will basically kill for them um, and, you know, try and do everything in their power to protect them and keep them healthy uh, during their, you know, prime years. But his racehorses, he had some of them that actually were worth over $1 million each. So you can imagine how much he paid for them and to have a total of 21. It's crazy. So now he actually bought a 40 thousand square foot mansion in Fremont, California. 40,000 square feet. I mean, the average home nowadays is between a thousand and two thousand. So put that into perspective. That could be like 20, 30 times the size of somebody's average home. 
And he bought this home for $12 million and then ended up spending another $30 million in renovations. He felt he wanted to make it his quote unquote dream home. So he ended up uh, building a bowling alley, a basketball court, a baseball field, a studio, of course, which obviously if you're a popular musician, um, I mean, that does make sense. You know, work on your craft, do your music. That's your moneymaker right there. He had a 17 car garage. I mean, oh my gosh, that's crazy. I can't even like fathom that. Uh, He had tennis courts, two pools and wait. For those of you who don't know, um, one of his pools was actually shaped as his famous baggy trousers that he's known to be in, um, you know, from his music videos and concerts. So I thought that one was kind of, um, that one kind of made me laugh a little bit. But then also he had a gold hot tub, which we've heard in my some of my previous episodes, some of these celebrities, um, they really have a thing for gold hot tubs, I've noticed. But then he also had several marble statues of himself. And these statues actually cost him millions. So that was pretty much the renovations around the property. Uh, he also installed a gold-plated um, front gate with his hammer time phrase embedded on it. And, you know, you think of a 40,000 square foot mansion, which I believe it was like two and a half acres, if I remember correctly, um, in total of property. But he ended up hiring over 200 employees to help maintain the home, maintain the property, everything that you can even think of from top to bottom. And it actually cost him over $500,000 a month. And when I say employees, I'm just talking about people that he kept on the property. I'm not talking about his entire entourage that he brought with him from concert to concert. That entourage itself cost him millions alone. So 500000 a month just for the employees to manage the home and then his entourage that he brought around with him, that they cost him millions. So let's fast forward to 1996. So remember, he, he started his career in the late 80s, really had his peak around 1991. That's when he hit that roughly 30 million a year mark. And he, um, you know, was becoming very, very famous. Uh, His career was just at an all-time high. He was making so much money. But in April of 1996, just a few short years later, he actually, him and his wife, actually filed bankruptcy with over $13 million in debt. Now, remember this, you know, this gentleman, he, uh, Mr. Hammer, he loved spending money. Well, let me tell you something. That bankruptcy filing had over 36 pages. And within those 36 pages was over 200 creditors that were listed that he owed money to. I mean, (laughs) my mind's blown to over 200 creditors. Like, Whoa, that is insane. (laughs) I don't know about you guys, um, but 
when I read that, uh, my jaw dropped because 36 pages. Wow. So just to break it down just a little bit, because obviously going into a 36 page bankruptcy filing, um, you know, this episode would be like four hours long, but MC Hammer had tax liens from back from 1993 and 1994 for almost $800,000 in unpaid taxes. And, you know, the IRS placed those tax liens. And if you listen to the years, right, 93 and 94, I mean, this man made $70 million by the time his career was entering the early 90s. So when you think of 1993, 1994, he didn't file bankruptcy till 96. That to me could mean that it was just very poor uh, money management, right? So aside from the almost $800,000 in unpaid taxes, he had delinquent state taxes that amounted to over $500,000 and then over $200,000 in unpaid property taxes on that huge 40,000 square foot property that he had. And all of these were a part of the bankruptcy. So another thing that I kind of found interesting was aside from the bankruptcy, um, there was something that wasn't included in the bankruptcy, but it was something that uh, MC Hammer actually owed. So he had a former friend by the name of Vincent Williams, who was an old Navy friend of his. Um, and I guess when MC Hammer's career first started, uh, you know, his friend Vincent actually lent him $5,300 to get his music career started back in 1987. And I guess a part of their agreement was that MC Hammer was supposed to pay Mr. Williams 2.7% of his earnings for having helped him by, you know, giving him that seed money to get started. Which to me, I mean, I put myself in those shoes I would only think that that's fair because you lent me the money to help get my career started. Um, and it's partially because of you that I, you know, ended up being able to get to where I am. So they made that agreement. It was something that they both agreed to. They thought it was fair. Well, what happened was um, MC Hammer did not stick to his word and he ended up not paying him the full $2.5 million. So he ended up owing still an outstanding $1 million to Mr. Williams. So that was another, I guess, debt you want to say that he had aside from his $13 million of debt with over 200 creditors that was listed in the bankruptcy filing. So fast forwarding to, you know, now, 2021, 2022, um, you know, today MC Hammer's net worth is estimated at $2 million. And, you know, since the 2000s, pretty much like the early to mid 2000s, uh, you know, he actually co-founded, and I'm not sure if you guys know this or not, and I, I learned about this. I didn't know about this until recently. He actually co-founded a social network or I guess, um, you know, like a website called dancejam.com. And this was a social network for dancing competitions where he basically had people upload videos. He would judge some of them. 
And it was basically to promote his love of dancing because for anybody who has ever witnessed an MC Hammer concert, seen it on TV, on YouTube, whatever, uh, this man enjoyed dancing. You know, it wasn't just entertainment. It was something that he liked to do. He loved to do. So when, you know, I read about that, I thought that was pretty neat. It's pretty cool that he ended up, you know, doing something like that. And aside from starting that social network, he actually tapped into the MMA industry and started a management company uh, where he had over a dozen um, MMA fighters under his company. And then aside from that, he also began preaching um, among smaller congregations because what he told some news outlets was that he wanted to uh, get into 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 the church. He wanted to get into preaching, but he wanted to go to smaller churches where, uh, you know, people really wouldn't expect somebody of his fame or stature or social status to be there. Right. So I thought that was pretty cool too. So all in all, a lot of what he's been doing since the early to mid two thousands has now led him to build himself back up to about an estimate of $2 million. So, you know, in the beginning of the episode, I did tap into this a little bit, but I just want to bring it up again because I want to stress the importance of this, right? So why do I talk about celebrities who had financial issues? And I'm going to be completely blunt here. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it's because it's real. It's raw and it can happen to anyone. And Honestly, it doesn't matter that they made $70 million, $30 million, because this stuff can happen to anybody just on a smaller scale. I I mean, in my own career, I've seen so many people who, who had a history of some sort of bankruptcy filing, um, you know, their credit was completely destroyed because they were in so much debt. Uh, You know, you see the student loan crisis right now that's affecting literally millions of people in this country, especially the millennial generation um, and younger. And I mean, people are going through similar situations. It just you got to change the 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 number, right? Instead of two point five million or 13 million it might be 13,000. It could be 130,000. It could be 1.3 million. Um, it, it just depends on the scenario, but this can literally happen to anybody. It can happen to you. It could happen to your neighbor, it could happen to a loved one. It could happen to any of us. But how do we prevent that from happening? And this is why I love to talk about this stuff because yeah, it's catchy to talk about a celebrity that a majority of us may have heard of. We know, um, But at the same time, you know, a lot of us may not really know the exact details of their financial situation and the stuff that they have gone through. But it's interesting to hear, you know, a lot of these people that, you know, people actually look up to or, you know, have idolized over the years when they were at their prime. It's kind of eye opening to see the more vulnerable side of them that, you know, have had struggles. So, you know, celebrities go through struggles. It's not all peaches and cream and, um, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side type of thing. No, it's not. 
you know, from bad purchases, right? Poor purchases to trusting the wrong person to manage your assets, which anybody who follows sports, I mean, there's a number of baseball players, football players, basketball players, etc., who have trusted financial advisors, um, and even like different financial management companies who promised these individuals, these, these celebrity athletes, like, Hey, yes, you can trust us with your millions. We're going to go ahead and take care of it. And then within a matter of a few short years, their money's gone because they really weren't doing anything with it. They were scamming them out of their money or they were really just not using uh proper uh, money management um, techniques and essentially made some of these athletes go broke. So, you know, it's not just about making these humongous purchases and buying, you know, 40,000 square foot mansion for 12 million or buying 17 luxury cars, right? It's, it's more than the gold hot tub or the, you know, the bowling alley and basketball court on your, on your home. It's really comes down to how the finances are managed overall, trusting the wrong person, trusting the wrong company, just making poor decisions, um, spending too much. It's, it's just, it comes down to numerous factors, but when we think of it as a whole, anyone can experience financial issues. And that's why financial education is all about empowerment. And it's all about inspiring others to make better choices. Because financial freedom should be something that everyone can experience at one point in their life. We shouldn't just have that as a focus for our retirement. You know, we work so many years, whether you're a business owner you have a nine to five, you work in third shift, you're driving truck, whatever. We work so much throughout, you know, a good, let's just say 30, 40, 50 years of our life. We should be able to enjoy financial freedom now and not just at the age of 65 when we retire. You know, so make that a new focus for yourself if that's something that you've been kind of, you know, pondering or wondering, like, you know what, I'm tired of living paycheck to paycheck. I'm tired of getting all these Capital One and City and Bank of America, you know, credit card bills and statements. I don't even want to look at them anymore because I'm tired of seeing the number. It never goes down, even though I pay $100 a month. It Trust me. I've been there myself. I know debt could literally almost kill you because of the anxiety and stress that it puts on your heart and your mind. People lose sleep. People can't concentrate at work or throughout the day, can't enjoy their weekends off with their kids and family because all they're thinking about, oh my gosh, should I swipe this card? Like, oh God, I can't, like, I don't want to see my balance go up anymore. Or can I swipe this card? I don't even know if I have enough to cover this. It's embarrassing. I know what all of that feels like. And this is why my passion is here in the now, having this podcast so I can help inspire, even if it's just one person or 10 people, 
to just get better with money. Get right with your money. And, you know, get on a budget. You don't have to have a fancy worksheet, a spreadsheet. I say that all the time in all my episodes. Write down what you have coming in. Write down what you have coming out. And see which categories you can do better on. And I guarantee you it's probably going to be food or it's going to be your miscellaneous purchases that you're not keeping track of. But there's always something that we can do just a little bit better. And I'm telling you, financial freedom, once you start to get your debt down, you're going to feel so much better. And that's all what it's all about. So I hope you guys enjoy, enjoyed hearing about MC Hammer. Um, again, this can happen to anybody, but I always find it intriguing to kind of learn about this stuff um, because, you know, these celebrities earn so much money, but a lot of them don't know how to manage it. So it's something cool and it's a learning lesson for all of us. And then just real quick before we, you know, finish up. I want to quickly just talk about some scams that are going on right now. Um, I really feel like this is urgent. Um, if you have loved ones who may not be aware of some of these scams going on, especially our elderly, please, please have a five minute conversation with them and make them aware because I, I've never seen scams get so bad up until this past year and now. It's absolutely crazy. Um, You know, I'm getting a lot of phone calls and just like messages and everything you can think of from people who are falling victim to this stuff. And the sad thing is, is there's not a lot of education around this topic. So some scams that are going on right now that I feel like are becoming a very pressing issue. Um... One of them is actually people are getting pop-ups on their computer when they're going on certain websites and, you know, it could even be, you know, on your Gmail, you click on a wrong link, right? And somehow malware gets downloaded onto your computer. Once that malware is downloaded, these scammers actually have complete access to everything. And I've been getting a lot of reports of where people lose access of their computer which then leads to these scammers getting access to their banking information and they start transferring money over to their own bank accounts. And sometimes it can be very difficult if you especially if you're not someone who monitors your account either daily or weekly. Um there's cutoff periods for how long you can dispute a transaction. So if you're not paying attention, Um, your account could be depleted. You could lose thousands and not even realize until you actually look at your account. So just be mindful. But something that was interesting to me was, um, a few weeks ago, someone had told me that, you know, they're browsing along and something popped up where it said something about the antivirus software on their computer was expiring and to click on the link to reactivate. Somebody ended up calling this individual um, and, you know, they gave them all this information, paid like hundreds of dollars to get everything activated. They told them, okay, we're going to get, you know, um, 
top of the line software onto your computer and then bam they got them they they took all that money and then on top of that they had access to their computer because now they downloaded this quote unquote antivirus software so similar to the malware uh you know if you're clicking on a bad link or whatever it it's sad and it's unfortunate because this is happening to uh, primarily a generation that's not as technologically savvy as some of our younger folks. So a lot of our grandparents or elder parents, um, you know, they're the ones that are actually getting targeted and they don't even realize it until it's too late. Um, so I would just, if you have loved ones that you talk to or even neighbors and friends, just spread this, spread this information. Um, if you don't want to share the podcast, I mean, I would love it if you do, um, especially my previous episode on dating scams, which I'm about to just tap into really quick. But I think it's just awesome to just pass along this information because it can help save somebody's financial well-being. And when these people get into these situations, it stresses them out to like beyond belief. Another scam that's going on, and it's been going on for a while, especially for anybody who's watched Dr. Phil. Uh, You know, we've seen the episodes where, you know, there's a guy that messages an older woman claiming that he's some, I don't know, it could be some veteran that's over in Afghanistan or Iraq and he needs help and he needs money. And then the person ends up sending them, you know, thousands and tens of thousands of dollars. Well, the thing of it is, is these dating scams are not just a Dr. Phil episode. These are real. Um, These are, this is happening to a lot of people. And it's happening on Facebook, Plenty of Fish, Christian Mingle, um, you know, just to name a few. But like, for example, let's take Facebook. People are getting friend requests from people. And what seems to be a legitimate person at the time ends up not being legitimate. They start to try and gain that person's trust. And unfortunately, a lot of the victims end up being widows, either widows, um, someone from, um, you know, an older generation. And they end up just being so empathetic and so... I guess, caring because they fall for the stories, the sob stories that these scammers are telling them and they end up sending them money. Um, They fall for it all the time. And it's honestly, it's heartbreaking because it's a vulnerable population that these scammers are going after. So they know what they're doing and they know how to get them. So again, this is why I'm preaching. If you have anybody, whether it's your parents, your grandparents, aunt, uncle, whoever, neighbor, anything, please inform them of this so we can help decrease these scams that are affecting so many people. Because I'm telling you right now, when money is like wire transferred over um, or it's sent a certain way, like MoneyGram, for example, Western Union, uh, nine times out of 10, that money's not coming back. And you go to civil court, you file a suit against this quote unquote scammer who you don't even know their real legitimate name. I mean, your claim's not going to go anywhere. So we've seen people lose hundreds of thousands of dollars and it was from their 401ks, their hard earned money, their checking account, their, their pension. 
I mean, this is this is real life stuff. So this is definitely something to take seriously. And then lastly, I wanted to mention um, Zelle. So a lot of people are familiar with Zelle and Venmo, Cash App, right? These are popular payment apps that many people have on their phone nowadays to send money and receive money from others. But actually, Pennsylvania State Police came out with an article just a few weeks ago um, because they're noticing a huge uptick in scams going on to a lot of different people. And if you think about it, a majority of the younger population is familiar with the payment apps. So this is now something being targeted to the younger generation who is more tech savvy. So the scammer will typically send a text to the victims claiming to be like a fraud department from their bank. Um, They'll mention, you know, a suspicious payment through Zelle that they want to verify and they ask them to confirm, right? So once the person actually responds, they end up calling them now and they'll call them. They'll claim to be the bank. They'll, you know, say, okay, Mr. So-and-so, can you please confirm your Zelle username? And oh, by the way, you you should be getting a text with a whether it's like a six digit eight digit code. Um, can you please just give us that code once you receive it? Once that code's given to these scammers, it's a done deal. <laughs> they now have complete access to that payment app, so the Zelle, for example, and Zelle is literally linked to your bank account or accounts plural. So once that person or people get that code, it's literally a free for all after that. You know, they can start transferring money. Uh, Yeah, there's limits, but uh, they can go in there and start changing things around so that they, they basically have the sole access. I mean, it's bad. So just keep that in mind too, for anybody that uses these payment apps, always just be be cautious on who's contacting you. You know, if if it if it's a caller that's claiming to be your bank, ask questions. Um, you know, log into your bank yourself, bank account yourself, and look if there's anything suspicious in there. Um, or ask, you know, ask them to call you to call you back or for you to call them directly because if you can't reach that bank by their their normal business number on their website, uh, chances are that's not a legitimate phone call that you're getting or text. And most, I'm not going to say all, but most banks will at least have a fraud department call you instead of text you if there's some type of, of uh, like fraudulent activity. So just kind of keep that in mind, but always just be cautious. And then really quick, when it comes to like the dating scams where people are getting like these really weird friend requests, One way that I've noticed to kind of pinpoint if it's fake is look at their friend, a friend list. If um, they only have 30 friends and you, and you see that they just literally created their Facebook yesterday. I mean, that's something that should be a humongous red flag. And nowadays you can use Google search um, and do like a reverse image search. And you can see that their profile picture actually matches somebody else and it's not legitimate. So it's definitely good to keep some of these things in mind just in case this happens to you or it happens to somebody that you love. So that's about it for today's episode. 
But uh, I hope you guys learned something new. If you did, please, uh, you know, go ahead, subscribe to the podcast on whichever um, app or website you use regularly. I really appreciate that. If you found any of this information um, enjoyable or helpful, educational, uh, I would really appreciate if you go ahead and share this episode or my podcast overall to a friend, a family member, share it on your social media. Again, this is this is all about just sharing the wealth of knowledge so that we all can experience financial freedom. So as always, I appreciate you guys tuning in, listening, um, you know, on behalf of the Two Cents Money podcast. I uh, hope you guys have, a, you know, a good rest of your February. Um, stay tuned for my next episode coming out. And if you guys have any questions, any suggestions, anything, feel free to reach us out on social media, Two Cents Money. That's T-W-O-S-E-N-S-E Money. And then you can always email me at two cents money at gmail.com. All right. It's always a pleasure. God bless. Stay safe. And thanks for tuning in. I'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. You've now listened to the Two Cents Money Podcast. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, hey, come check us out at twocentsmoney.com or go ahead and follow our podcast on your favorite podcast app like Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Two Cents Money. And hey, join the conversation if you see a post that you like. Thanks for listening and make sure to tune in next time.